Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Good morning, Stacey. How are you? Morning, John. I'm doing well. I am uh, sitting in North Carolina still, and it is cool and green, which is beautiful here. We we finally got a break from the heat, so I'm uh, enjoying a a little bit of a cooler morning and a calmer morning, but we are still in our writing frenzy season, too, a couple more weeks before the uh, big reports are due, so... Yep, same here. Same here. Busy, busy time. It's they call it foggest um, <laughs> in San Francisco. It's moist and damp and cool. It gets up to it got up to like like sixty nine yesterday. It's delightful. It's gloomy, but it's delightful. So my big news is in another couple of hours, I'm doing a um, uh, an orientation for HR Tech webinar. Um, oh. That's the, the I, I've been immersed in what the conference is actually doing, and it's it's amazing. There's a um, there are like 59 different sessions plus six seven keynotes plus um, an extraordinary women tech conference plus um, there's a stage that has 20 minute tech presentations running all the time, and there's wow. a um, a startup pitch fest that features 30 different uh, startups making uh, short pitches in a competitive environment that results in a winner over the course of the conference. It's it's really quite extraordinary what's going on there. My goodness. Wow. It will be tough to figure out where to spend your time. Of course, the analysts tend to spend our time in the analyst room, although I'm trying to take fewer uh, meetings this year just to give myself a little bit of a breathing room and get to see a few other things. But, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully there will be, uh, you know, enough participants to go around to all different events. Usually there is. I think what's the, we usually get somewhere in the range of, what, eight, ten? Thousand people, something I think it's in that neighborhood. It's it's a big, yeah. big show. It's a big show. It's not fifty thousand people, but it it is yeah. everybody who matters in HR technology is generally there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it so it will be a it will be a, an exciting time. But for the next couple of weeks, the the ramp up to it gets a little bit crazy, and the news gets a little bit quieter too because people are all sort of waiting to do their big announcements at that event. So, um, so isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? We're going to wait till everybody else is yelling before we yell. I know. Yes. Well, we're, weren't we just saying in January we were we were we we thought it was paychecks, right? We had commented on like they did like off cycle news. It was like this is great. They're doing news when everyone else has been quiet, and we were able to talk about it, right, and have some good conversations. Right. Just a lesson for some of the marketing guys out there that you know sometimes it's nice to do a little bit of news when everyone's not top shouting. So. <laughs> Yes, well, there's definitely a quietness right now. So, 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 what are you learning in in your research? What are you learning? Well, the research projects, you know, are are going pretty good. We're Aaron uh, Spencer, who's my counterpart, and I are are digging into the data. Um, they, you know, I think the interesting things right now is that you know, the more consumer like, the more sort of. Um, uh, forward-looking technology is in the market now, enough at a large enough um, 
uh, market share that we are starting to see the impact of what's happening with sort of the new cloud-based technologies. Before, you could see you know, a little bit in you know, those organizations who had been early adopters. Now we're starting to see it as a whole community. And that's sort of interesting because you're starting to see overall numbers rise in certain areas, right, in user experience and satisfaction, but also in some impact. Um, what we are starting to see is a little bit of um, um, some challenges and how organizations are leveraging these things over time. Some of the stuff that I'll have at my um, big presentation at HR Tech, if, if people have, um, are attending, we'll be, we'll be talking about you know, what's keeping people from actually um, getting the impact out of their HR technology. We're also going to have some data on um, what's going on from a resourcing perspective. That's a real big conversation right now in this space um, because now that I've got my new technology, what does my HR technology workforce need to look like, right? Um, and then, you know, we're going to have some interesting data, I think, on what kind of processes have to go around these new systems to actually make them um, function well within your organization. So those are some of the things that we've spent a lot of time uh, analyzing this year. Wow. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I've spent the last week thinking about talking to people about and writing about ethics in um, AI. And, 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 and it's turning out to be an interesting, um, an interesting bit of work. You know, that the, one of the things I've realized is that when you have machines that are issuing recommendations and suggestions, uh, um, it's easy to confuse those recommendations and suggestions with orders or, or decisions. Um, and, and, and for all of the stuff, what they really are is opinions, right? So, so, so we're headed into a time where um, there's an opinion about everything that you do. Well, I was just going to say, is, can you really say there's ethics in AI? Is that sort of a... Uh, counterintuitive conversation, right? Because <laughs> there is well, no ethics in something that's just an opinion, right? Um, oh, oh, I think you, you know. I'm not sure we want to wander all the way down that rabbit hole, but but <laughs> but I think I think part of the large national debate um, that we're having politically is whether some opinions are ethical. Um, right. So so so, and, and I th and I think that um one of the big questions that that you that you have in in ethics in, in intelligent systems is the bias question um and 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 that's exactly some opinions are unethical you, you know like well, the, the like the opinion that women should be paid less for example is is not okay no, it's no, it's not okay. But and I guess you know the thing that that'll be interesting to see is that when you have data that sort of follows where that comes from, um, there is a perspective that the reason women are paid less is because they're out of the workforce sometimes for maternity leave, that they are uh, more likely to start maybe a little bit later, they're more likely to negotiate for less money. So does that mean that it's unethical, or that it's something that is a series of things that have happened over time? And you're able to now follow the data so you can show where it came from. So there's an answer for it, right? Um, I, I'm not sure you can get there, but I, I did see a study the other day that says for the same offense, for the same offense that you get disciplined for, a woman is 20% more likely to get fired. Uh, yeah. 
Um, that's also that's also true of a number of other protected classes, right? And so so I think that there's a that the, there's some stuff that you can see with data, but but there's also um, the incompleteness of the of the view that a machine can have, and that gives you this this other weird bias. So 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 I started thinking that that people have unconscious bias. Machines have uncoded bias. Machines simply can't account for something that they haven't been fed, um, and and so their their answers and opinions always come out lopsided based on the things that they're not able to see, and that's that's a surprisingly human characteristic. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting. It goes along with that. There was a, an article this week about um, the first piece of. AI created um, art was being sold, I think at Christie's auction house or something like that. And it had been created by feeding like 15 million, you know, uh, different sort of amazing works of art from, from all times and had created a piece that was worth somewhere in the range of ten to $15,000 and someone was purchasing it. But I was just thinking, you know, 15 million pieces of art is a lot of pieces of art, but there's a lot of art that, that didn't include too, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And that's sort of the same thing, right? Right. And fifteen million pieces of art to get fifteen thousand dollars at auction is roughly um a hundredth of a penny per piece of art, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so that's the same story that we're that we're getting here. Now it's interesting, you know, we did have a few news stories to, uh, this week and one of them that I, I thought was worth sort of having a conversation about because um it's been I think talked about by a couple of, of people recently is is there too much diversity tech? So kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, you know, there's there's been a big sort of pushback in the fact that um you know, the HR tech market's a $10 billion market and diversity startups are, you know, continuously, you know, sort of increasing in numbers. And there's a perspective that, you know, diversity technology might be having an impact on sort of the broader technology conversation um, or that it might be watering down the conversation because it's specifically focused on diversity and not on all technology. I don't know about that. I mean, it's one of the conversations that we're seeing in all areas, right, which is if you have a niche player, if you have someone sort of doing something separate outside of the bigger system, um, like diversity analysis, um, could you be missing some of the bigger issues, right? What what a nonsense question! Is there too much <laughs> diversity tech? Um, and, and what? what well, like I'm a- just telling you what the conversation. Well, you know, there has been you know a lot of conversation. I mean, about you know, uh, is the diversity technology causing some of the issues? I, I'm just I'm just throwing out the conversation there, Johnny. <laughs> wow! Wow! What's what diverse? So, so this is great. Diversity software causes diversity problems. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like that's like uh, uh, oh god, never mind. Um, I, <laughs> I'm so the market basically, I think, is saying that it might be getting saturated in this space. That there might be um, challenges with how the various diversity tools are looking at this, and that it is they're not building these capabilities inside the larger systems. I think that's the main theme of the story here, in some case. Um, but uh, I, there's the other challenges is that there's a lot of different ways to look at diversity, right? So, <laughs> well, and and 
There's an idea that is a very 20th century idea that you must have one way of looking at things. Um, And and, um, that's not a useful idea. That's really not a useful idea. That is that is an idea that is inflexible and um, gets in the way of good management, right? And so, so, so you have to be able to see things from multiple perspectives. And what's happening in HR is it's becoming a center for multiple perspectives, yeah. right? So, yeah. so, so you're going to have data models. You're going to have twenty data models for every employee. And those data models are going to disagree with each other. And the job and in H- the job in HR will be well, yeah, great. So you've got twenty advisors and they disagree with each other. What's your decision? Yes, and I right? think that's part of the challenge, right? I mean, I mean, I completely agree with you, and I think that's you know the idea of being able to deal with ambiguity and ambiguity from technology, from algorithms, from tools that are supposed to reduce ambiguity, right? Um, they used to be supposed to reduce ambiguity. That's not what yeah. they do anymore. Yeah. They, they they increase ambiguity, and that's really good. The very essence of leadership is being able to deal with ambiguity, not being able to minimize it, being able to deal yeah. with it. Exactly. Right? Well, and that's a scary thing for HR because ambiguity is not something that that you uh, can can put in a in a policy. Right. Policy. Right. You can't put <laughs> yeah, it in a policy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, and and flexible organizations need as little policy as possible. Yeah. Um, and and so so yes, it's harder work, but this is this is exactly where the jobs are going. Right, the jobs are not going to be easier because machines get in in the stuff. The, the machines are going to do the easy work. <laughs> the, the jobs are going to get really interesting if you're curious and don't mind working a little bit and don't mind having your head hurt from time to time. <laughs> um, the, the, the jobs are going to get incredibly more complex and incredibly more demanding because there'll be the time to do those complex and more demanding things that we have not attempted because they're too hard. Well, this might lead to, to one other thing that's going on in the in the industry. I mean, um, you know, HR has been up to this point almost seen more, and I and me and you have had this conversation. It's a in an arm of management. It's it tends to be very inflexible. You have a policy, a standard, a process that's what you have to go by, right? Um, but it's also has led to some stereotypes and some expectations about what people get from HR. Um, it was really interesting. There was a, a recent study done at where organizations in the Silicon Valley had been sort of assessed all of you know their perspectives on HR, and they said seventy percent of tech employees don't trust HR. Um, that was out of eleven thousand users. They had looked at organizations like Amazon and Apple and Intel, and seventy um, percent. I thought, wow, that's that's pretty amazing to get seventy percent of the HR tech industry, sort of very large organization, saying that they don't trust HR. Amazon was slightly behind. They said eBay, I think, was at, at, at 83%. Oh, Intel was at 83%. Um, and Amazon was slightly behind at 79%. That's crazy. I, does that surprise you at all, John? Or, or do you think that's just part of this, this bigger picture we're talking about? Well, well so, so, so HR does a variety of things, right? HR does... Um, 
business partner stuff, and that's how do you improve productivity in the organization using HR functions. Um, it does administrative stuff, which is how do you get the paychecks cut, and how do you get the benefit system to work properly, and how do you keep the data in order. Um, it does um, silo management and, and specialty functions like recruiting and learning and development. And then it does the um, um, all of the stuff that the organization doesn't have any other place to do that tends to involve people's emotional and physical health. Um, and, and so if you go to a business partner expecting that they're going to treat you like the people in the um, assistance programs, you're going to be really disappointed. Right, you're going to be really disappointed because not everybody who works in HR works in HR because they're compassionate people who care about your divorce. Um, a lot of people who <laughs> work in HR, right? A lot of people at work who work in HR are not interested in that, and so and so so it's very difficult to to present a coherent picture of what an HR person does because. Because those four functions are are very different functions, um, and so the generic question, "What do you think of HR?" Part of the problem is there's a bias in that in the in the survey, and it means that the people who put the survey together don't understand HR. So they're they're sort of they're sort of sending a, a rover to Mars to look around and see what it is. <laughs> Um, and, and surprise, there's a lot of dust there. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and, um, um, right, right. So, so, so part of the problem is is the survey itself. But, but, but there is this horrible conflict um, that that exists in, in HR. And you know, you look at the professional associations; they don't even talk about technology particularly. Yeah, right? yeah a lot um, of them don't. Are, are they are they publish articles about how there's too much technology? <laughs> yes, they do exactly, and that is where one of those articles came from. But but so, and I think this is even more interesting if we look underneath this this topic a little bit. We look at the companies that they and these were this blind survey test. But you know, you're talking <laughs> Intel, Amazon, eBay, Oracle, you know, Uber, Apple, Lyft. I mean, these are these are big companies, and these are a lot of companies that are creating in some cases technology. Right, that is going to have some impact on HR, uh, particularly you know got Google and Salesforce in here, right? Um, what you know, my my you know concern about some of this is that people's perception of HR, whether it's true or not, and like you said, whether or not there's different you know areas of HR, right? But the perception of HR could that have an impact on the way they address the technology they're designing for HR? That's my concern on this because you know I, I see this all the time when I. And I go out west, you know, I have conversations with the developers who are working on some of the HR technology areas, and they're very, very sort of in their little world and their type of challenges oftentimes, right? Um, and their perception of what HR is and what they're trying to fix versus what might actually be happening inside HR or the challenges HR is really dealing with, right? That's, that's, a, that's, that's one of the best questions I've heard in a really long time. Thank you for that. I, I, I'm not sure I have a good answer. I wish I did. Um, um, but, but that problem, uh, there's, a, there's, there's this enormous problem. People who work in HR 
can't see the entirety of HR. People who work in um, companies uh, making HR software, the vast majority of people who work there can't see the entirety of HR. So it, so it isn't yeah. a surprise that the technology um, and the function don't have a good fit a lot of times. Um, um, but I think there's, well, let's see. Um, I think I think there's a a thing in this survey that is a lot of times a lot of times HR is the bad guy, right? Yeah. Um, and and these companies have a different view of what is an acceptable churn rate for people. Right, and and some of it is they're really good at getting rid of rid of people who don't fit or who aren't performing. Yeah, you know, and and who does that? HR. Uh, HR. <laughs> HR. So, if you, yeah. right, if you look at this, well, it's interesting. Netflix isn't on this list, isn't that interesting? Um, oh, you're right. Yeah, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and well, well, yeah, yeah, and because a lot of these companies use stack ranking. So, so the executioner's name is HR. Um, and, and, and do you and want to go down that... to that little office where the security guard is now? <laughs> I know, yeah. And how does that impact how they're designing the HR technology tools? I just, it just makes me wonder every time I see stuff like this, right? Because to me, your perception, whether it's true or not, you know, and how you design and how you think about it. I can't tell you how many times I sit down with a with a new developer or a new design team and they tell me, well, we're going to fix this broken thing called recruiting or we're going to fix this broken thing called performance management. Oh, God, right? yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure we're, I, I should start to, I should, you know, it, we don't want to make it a drinking game. It would be a very bad, bad thing at HR Tech, but maybe we'll do like a little tick box to say how many times I, I hear that, right? <laughs> Um, most companies start with that. Most co- most companies begin their life with the idea that they're going to go fix something that's broken, and they they don't understand for a second how insulting it is to say that in marketing. They don't they don't get for a second that what they're doing is chasing away customers by by positioning their product that way. Not for a second, and and so so you'll hear a lot of it. There's a there's a there's a huge startup pavilion. Um, I think there's 60 companies in the startup pavilion. Um, and and many of those companies will be talking about um, finally solving the X problem. Yeah. Because that's, that's, what, that's what early stage marketing sounds like that. Yeah, we do. We are we are seeing a few organizations this week starting to get some funding. I think you know, and and you'll obviously see a lot more uh, after HR Tech. I think because that's a lot of what HR Tech is all about. Um, we did see in the news this week that Think HR secured sixty seven million dollars in investment. This one's sort of interesting because Think HR is a um, a software that provides um, content information for. Um, organizations around HR and HR issues. What was really interesting is that the the guidepost, which is the growth um the guidepost growth equity organization, 
that they get the funding with also required they change out some of their board members, and some of the board members they put in place are people that we probably know. Uh, Chris Cavanaugh, uh, who's a principal at Guidepost, but also Larry Donovan, who is former chief revenue officer over at Ceridian, um, as well as oh, Mike Gavaro. Larry, Larry Donovan is not the chief revenue officer at Ceridian? Wow. Well, it said what, former what revenue find that out. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, you know, I haven't really, you know, I've followed some of that, but this is the announcement made on this Think HRSQ. <laughs> well, Larry Donovan is one of the great guys of the, of the industry. Yeah. He's, 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 he's an amazing man. Um, um, this is, this is funny. Yeah. I mean, I had heard that he was spending some more time with family. I assume that meant that he was sort of wrapping things up with the sturdy and IPO, but um, I, I didn't, you know, I hadn't really followed the exact timing of if he was leaving or not. So um, we also have Mike Gabbero, who's the former chief operating officer at Paycor. I've met him as well. So this is sort of an interesting board to put on the Think HR and with the $67.5 million investment. So um, we are... This idea of needing to understand HR better is exactly what Think HR does, supposedly, for organizations, uh, particularly for the 10 largest insurance brokers. They serve 125,000 employees and 850 different businesses um, with this idea of you need help in HR, come here and we have a platform that will do this for you versus just calling up your PEO and asking for help, right? That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Well, I hope they do well with it. It's hard to... Um... It's hard to figure out how to scale that particular business because because its strength is the people answering the questions. Yeah. Well, Larry's got a little bit. I mean, obviously, Larry's got a lot of experience with this. I mean, Ceridian had a not exactly the same concept, but they had sort of, you know, help areas, right? And so there is um, for their um, uh questions around compliance in the in the workforce management area. And so this is probably a similar concept to that. So I think I'm not surprised they put him on the board for this. So Yeah, well, you, you know, I've, I've, ta- I've talked to the people who think HR a couple of times, and um, my sense is that they were actually collecting the data that you needed to make a, a an intelligent system with, right? And so yeah. to the extent, right, because because the infinite variety of questions that people ask HR is the thing that that is between reading a policy manual and being able to regurgitate the policy manual and calling that a, 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 a an intelligent program and understanding exactly what people want and exactly what those interactions are. So I think the last time I talked to them, they had answered five million questions or something like that. Five million observably different questions. Um, and that's an interesting encyclopedia. It it is. It's a huge and to do it with a platform because I mean we have I've seen a lot of these businesses, but they're generally more, you know, I hire an HR person and that person does the research and so they're more person to person, you know, type of um programs and Tool sets. So it'll be interesting to see how this how this plays out in artificial intelligence. Um, but obviously, um, people feel that there's some uh, value in that from a financial perspective. Um, you know, so it's it's one of the many things that got investment this week. So fantastic. And the the other thing that got investment this week was a Swedish startup that matches resumes with NGOs. Yes. 
this one was only only eight hundred thousand. I mean, that's a lot of money still, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But it's um, they match your resume with two hundred different NGOs, um, you know, and they're they're sort of conversation around this is many people dream of working at NGOs as such as the EU, um, but it's not easy uh, to get your name on a list. And they're right. I, I have a lot of friends who work at NGOs and who, uh, when you're known in the environment, you're known, and when you're not, you're not, right? So you have to find a way into the group of people who know um, uh, people in them. And, and they're not usually um, a lot of financial gain in that, but there are people who really aspire to work at some of these organizations. Um, and that's what this, this company is doing. It's matching up that type of um, resumes and um, the connections and, and helping people find those jobs. They, they reach 100,000 users in just three months, and they're, they're continuing to expand. So if you're looking at, for an NGA, you now have a place to go uh, get a job at them, right? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, another wonderful show, Stacy. Yeah, it it will we'll be um doing what two more weeks we've got and then uh HR Tech, I think. Sarah scary to think that it's that close, but um oh, so yeah, but we'll have I think some more updates on our research in the next couple of weeks and then um we will be doing it sounds like a a wrap up of the HR Tech conference at HR Tech, but we'll be doing it on Friday, not Thursday, of the HR Tech week, so people can follow us there. So Cool. So, great talking to you as usual. Thanks for doing this, and thanks, everybody, for listening in. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.